Well, first and foremost, a, a propitiation has to do with God between the Father and the Son. Okay? And so obviously, obviously, in that dealing, what we have there that's brought out, again, this was brought out in Genesis 22 and verse 8, when there's a question between Abraham and Isaac. And now the types there, Abraham is a type of the father. Isaac is a type of the son. The son, Jesus Christ. It's a type. He's a type of it. Why? Because how was he born? It wasn't through anything that Abraham and Sarah could perform and do on their own. And it didn't have anything to do with that. It had to do with the supernatural act of God. So again, of course it has to do if God is going to have anything to do with any of us, it had to be through his son. He had to be, of course, obviously he had to be propitiated. So that the fact that the father's propitiated and he's given us the son as the substitute, this goes into 1 John 2, 1 and 2. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 is my little children, see, see that you sin not. In other words, again, we don't have to sin. Sin is a choice just like love is why it's not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. Some have come up and, and through the fallacy of being taught like there's specific different anointings of the Holy Spirit and they make it conducive upon their own emotions when it doesn't have a thing to do with God. Our emotions, truthfully, in, in one sense, they don't have anything to do with what Christ has accomplished. So, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, my little children see that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have, we have an advocate with the Father. It's Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. So we see that the Father has to be propitiated. Of course it deals with a whole fallen race. Of course it does. Of course it does. And so for God, and for God's love to be what it is, and it couldn't be anything other than it is, to be just and have integrity, you know, that that, that uh, love and that justice, which is you can't separate the two, had to be met. And there's where, there's where Christ himself has become the propitiation. Now, again, of course, obviously it had to do with the Father, you know, and, and it was something that was between the Father and the Son and of course, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring out that truth in a way that only God can. So again, did it have to do, did propitiation have to do with Adam? Well, in, in the sense that if God was going to love him, because remember, 1 John 4.10, herein is love, herein is God. Not that we loved him. <laughs> Not that we loved him, but there was nothing in man fallen apart from Christ that had anything to do with loving God. Furthermore, even in the flesh, in Romans 8, 7, the flesh has enmity, it says, against God. And enmity there, it's a Latin, but you can bring it over into the Greek too, is strong, settled thoughts, unchanging thoughts and emotions of expressive Hatred continually towards God. So Romans 8, 7, the flesh that's in us that we're not of, and Romans 8, 9, goes back to Genesis 6 and verse 5, and Genesis 8 and verse 21. The whole thought of man 
is only evil continually. And that means every purpose, every desire, every design, everything about him is only evil continually. So, you know, so for God to love us, for God to love us, of course he had to be propitiated. So obviously, with him being the lamb, Christ, in Revelations 13, 8, being the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, and those works being finished in him in Hebrews 4 and verse 3, obviously, obviously, it, 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 even if we look into it and we see in, 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 Roman, uh, in Psalm 8 and verse 4, what is man that you're mindful of him? Yeah. So the only way that God could see man with love and justice and integrity and, and this love would obviously and only be through his son. So it's almost like you, you cannot separate them. They're inseparable only in Christ. They're completely inseparable. And that's why propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation, there's no separation in any of those things, any of them uh, whatsoever. Uh, you know, I myself was just studying recently and, and very intensely in a way that's just, just incredible when, when we look at even... In Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, when it's bringing out, and it's bringing out there in a, in a very clear way to the nation of Israel. And to understand Isaiah 53 in those 12 verses, the, the way to understand it, the way that God the Holy Spirit has given it, is this is finally the remnant the, in prophecy now. Hundreds and hundreds of years before it will, will actually happen is that remnant of Israel that finally sees they missed their Messiah. They were completely wrong. They were completely and utterly wrong, and now they finally see it. They finally see what they missed. Because when it's speaking, the Holy Spirit now is speaking through a penitent, repentant, and right now, in their thinking, their thinking was all along was wrong completely. They missed propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. In Christ, when he came on the earth, the, the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke bring it out, and also in the most beautiful way, the Gospel of John, in terms of its height. Uh, it's just incredible. So, But it's then, when it's saying, who has believed our report? Report there is message. Really, the Hebrew says it's doctrine, but it's hearing. And hearing always speaks of hearing something and submitting to it. Finally, they do. And now they're saying to all others, who's going to believe our report? We want to tell you that we were wrong. We were wrong all along. Every single one of us. It's very interesting the way that it's brought out. And if you study those words in the original, the original Hebrew, if you study them, you see the utter torture that Christ went through. And of course it was physical, but it was mental, emotional, and spiritual. And then in finality, it was physically torturous. I mean, it's just everything that he went through. And they realize what they did, but they realize something even way beyond what they thought in their ignorance and in their rejection of what they were doing to his precious son. God was bringing out a deeper, most incredible truth. 
God's love and expiation. Vicarious suffering. Someone suffering in the place of another. Being tortured. And that's what that that's what Isaiah 53 in those 12 verses, that's what it brings out. And how often do we have to be reminded? Also very interesting when you study uh, Judges 17 and verse 6, Judges 18, 1 through 2, and Judges 21, 25. It's, and, and, and those instances we see where Joshua, who was a type, who was a type of the Lord or a type, and he was a shepherd for Israel. And, and Samuel, at that point of those three and four hundred years period, and that's what that is when you study it, there's three or four hundred, between three and four hundred years where they didn't have a shepherd and, and Samuel hadn't even appeared on the scene yet. And what did man do? They did what was right in their own eyes. Oh, good God. I, <laughs> it is amazing. And I say, I say it. And I'll say it like this. I say it in myself. I say it in myself. When I don't have a shepherd, when I am not submitted to him, and there's one shepherd, by the way, and that's not any pastors in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, and all the way to the 13th uh, verse there. No, that's Jesus Christ himself, period. And when you don't have it, when I don't have that, we always do what is right in our own eyes. We will interpret the scriptures. Did Israel do that? Did the Jews do that? To this day, do they do it? Yes. But that Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, is going is gonna, is gonna to be, is bringing out finally where they are going to be repentant. That's the whole, and, and God is speaking through repentant, penitent uh, Israel to others. Who's going to believe our, our message, our hearing? Hearing, hearing is very interesting. Hearing, very interesting. Why don't many come? Why isn't it a precedence for people to hear the word of God in a deep and rich way, which maybe they don't get in any other way? Why is that? They don't want to hear it. Truthfully, that's, that's inside of us. They don't want to hear it. Whether it's ignorance or rebellion and stubbornness. So we're going to do what's right in our own eyes. We will privately interpret the scriptures in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. And every man will do what is right in their own eyes. Oh my God. Why? Because they didn't have a shepherd. They did not have a shepherd. They didn't have it. Israel didn't have it. They missed. They missed it. That's, again, that's John 1, 11. He came unto his own, the nation of Israel, and his own absolutely rejected him. But what we see here, in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, is Revelations 1, 7. Behold, he comes with the clouds, and every eye will see him. This is what it says. And they which also pierced him. When you study that word pierced, you study it out. He was pierced through and tortured. I mean, his whole life was one of constant. Man, we think we go through things. Oh, God. We make a big deal. You know, just like, come on. It's like, come on, you know. We make a big deal. Oh, we're going, and we telegraph it. We want everybody to know. I'm like, what? He went through so much. It's 
with days, with a, a patient, constant suffering endurance. That was his whole life. We get respites. We get times of, of things off. We do. My God, it's so amazing. But finally, they see him. They which also pierced him. They're going to say, oh, God. They, that's that whole Psalm 53, 1 through 12. And, and that's against, that, that is what is said to his people. How much more for us? That's his earthly people. That is his earthly people. Now, and again, when we, now, that's his earthly people. Look, to think that God's glory, and that this is true, that to think that God's glory only has to do with the heavens in our position, and it does, in, a, in the heights of we can't even imagine, and we will see for all eternity, based upon Ephesians 3 and verse 19. It, his love will pass knowledge. And that's Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. What his word is, has accomplished already in his eternal mind is going to be worked out. But if we think for one second that all we have to do is with the heavenly, I got news for us. Heaven and earth are going to become one. This earth. And there's a glory on the earth. There is. There's, a, there's the glory of his creation. Read Genesis chapter 1, verses uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 to 31. Read Psalm 24. Read Psalm 8, 1, uh, 1 through 4. Read Psalm 19, 1 through 6. Read this 23rd Psalm. Look at Jesus. Everything that he talked about, he used his creation. It's beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying it. There's not a thing wrong with enjoying it. Come on, what, what are we talking about here? Do we just pick what we want to enjoy and blow off the rest? Are you kidding? Let's think about it. It's his signature, his creation, Psalm 19, 1 through 6. I may choose to like it in a certain area, but up there, it's just the word. Really? No, it's not. Please. That's, that is doing what is right in our own eyes. And then we're going to think everyone else is going to think like us. Like, I know how they think. Excuse me, that is between them and God. When did that ever take place? Jesus using creation, using you know, look at the twenty-third Psalm. Lay down in tender, tender grass. Tender, it's beautiful. It's awesome. It's awesome. Listen, you know what? You know, um, like I said recently, it's beautiful up here in October. It's gorgeous. People can come and hear the word. They can. And enjoy the creation. God's beautiful creation. Not a thing wrong with that. Just like people when they go to the ocean. Why do people go there? Why do they go there? Well, is there sand? There's sun? There, there's salt, water, ocean? Beautiful. Yeah. Is that God's creation? Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful everywhere. It's beautiful everywhere. When I'm right spiritually, when he's my shepherd, listen, then, then and only then can I enjoy it no matter where I am, no matter where I go. And both are the same. Did you know heaven and earth are going to become one? That's brought out when you see in, in Revelations 4 and verse 3. Now the rainbow around the throne is circular. 
That's where heaven and earth are united. You can see that again in, in Revelations 21, 1 to 4. You'll see it. Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful. Again, we need a shepherd. We can't, all of us, me, I do. Because I, if I don't, I'll pick and choose. And I'll see what's right in my own eyes. And you know, when I think what's right, this is me. I'm talking about me as God is my judge. When I think what is right in my eyes, then I'm going to think that about other people. That's how they think. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. And so basically, what would I do? Me. Me. What would I do? I replace God in them. Oh, my Lord. I mean, come on. You know, it's so, to me, it's like, what? Gosh, it's like, wow, really? Read Psalm 147. All through the all through the Bible, all through the Bible, yeah. God, look what God did. Did He create a Eden for Adam? Did He? Why? Why was it for him to enjoy? Yeah, as long right as long as he submitted spiritually to his shepherd, and you know what, a people. And this is the sad part that I see. This is the sad part, and I can see it in me at any time. It's the flesh. People don't want to be shepherded by other shepherds. They want to shepherd themselves. They do. They want to shepherd themselves. Oh, my God. If I think that I can shepherd myself, you know what I'm going to do? I think that I'm going to shepherd and make God's people my people. I've heard, you hear so many things. You know, I want my own flock. <laughs> Since when is it yours? <laughs> my own. In other words, my own flock. Oh, my God. It is so crazy. It is so crazy. So, again, when we even look at Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, think of the patience of God. I, listen, I don't have to go any further than myself, period. I can stay right here and say, oh, my God, Lord Almighty. Your patience, the operation of your love towards me is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Everything that you went through for me, brought out graphically in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. Read Matthew, the 27th chapter. What the Navy Seals of the day did to him. And, and never mind, never mind, in John 18, uh, 1 through 6, by the time you get the fifth, sixth, sixth verse, when they came to take him, he just said, who are you after? He spoke and they fell back. So did they take him? No. No. Did death take his life in John 10, 17, and 18? No. Did he give himself up to slaughter? I mean, his whole life was tortured. His whole life was a patient, enduring, all kinds of torture. Mental, emotional, in his humanity, perfect humanity, by the way. His impeccable humanity. Can't bring that out enough. I can't, you know. These things we need to hear in, in constant repetition. We all do. All of us do. In constant repetition. Because we don't know them like we ought to. We don't, because we can easily forget them. We can forget 
what, what the all-knowing God is. <laughs> we can forget it in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And then we'll pick and choose and do what is right. And we'll use the scriptures to back it up too. We will use the scriptures. All of us. I'll use the scriptures. What? For some kind of ignorant or rebellious, stubborn control. I think I, now I have enough scriptures I can control myself. And without a shepherd, the one shepherd, Christ, I'll use them to control others. And we'll call it fellowship. <laughs> we'll call it oneness. God. You know, in, in, in the flesh, in my flesh, I am horrified. I am. And I am against the love of Christ, his deep desire. And what he had to go through in terms of expiation, that deep thing that they didn't even know. They thought he was, they thought they were right. They were right. And God himself was wrong in humanity. They thought, see, see what God's doing to him? He says he's God. Look what God's doing to him. Look what he put him through. <laughs> That's what that Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. Now, finally, they're right. They're thinking. They're no longer thinking like the prodigal in Luke 15, 11 to 32. He had his own thoughts about his father. When did they start? Why would have he even left the house? Why would have he even left the house, the father's house? You know? Yeah, because he had his own plan, <laughs> and it didn't include the father. And he went out. He went out, not experiencing the love that the father had for him. And then he went out, you know. And and we brought that out in in a particular way yesterday. And and again, when we don't submit ourselves, man, even the word that we hear, we hear, we will we will do what is right in our own eyes with what we hear. And somehow now it's against me. Somehow all of this is, is against me. And, and that's how I receive it, you know. And it makes me very uncomfortable. Well, I'll tell you where our uncomfortability is and all our struggle is. It's in the flesh. And the struggle, really, we struggle, we struggle with, with two things. What makes us struggle with who we are in Christ? The flesh. It is the flesh. That's why we need that separation. That's why we need the constant separation. And that's why, again, you know, we, we, can, we can, when we have a shepherd, when we're submitted to him, I can enjoy him no matter where I am. I will go no matter where he sends me. And it won't have a thing to do. And it doesn't have a thing to do with anything other than himself. And that's what makes it very important even to know, and we brought it out yesterday, we, as and I'm saying, God was bringing it out to all of us. It's very important to know that no matter where we go, we need to know that we're sent. Because if not, if not, we do it without a shepherd. And we will do what is right in our own eyes. We will do what is right in our own eyes. And then we'll say, we'll make every other thing. These are the reasons why we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it for this one, for that one. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I did a lot of things for God. Yeah, it didn't have a thing to do with him. It had every single thing to do with me. The minute someone doesn't line up with it, uh-oh, something's wrong. Something's very wrong here. Yeah, 
Because any of us experientially, without dependence and constant submission, I mean, think about Christ. He had perfect humanity and still perfect obedience. Perfect obedience. Some think that, you know, again, some think and some were taught, because we were taught that for years, that there was the possibility that Jesus could have sinned. <laughs> really. Really. So God would send his son. God sent his son. He came out. <laughs> God the Son came out and he put on what kind of humanity in that 14-year-old peasant girl, Luke 135. What kind of humanity did he put on? The Bible, it's called impeccable. Look at the word impeccable. Words were created by God. Not all of them, and a lot of them are taken out of context. But the word impeccable is not liable to sin. It's not, it didn't even enter into his thinking. And he still did everything to please the Father. John 8, 29, Romans 15 and verse 3. He always did the things that pleased the Father. His very sustenance in John 4 and verse 34 was to do the will of the Father, fulfilling the prophecy of Psalm 47 and 8, and bringing out in a beautiful way those first 10 verses in Hebrews the 10th chapter, bringing them out clearly. And to bring those out, to bring out Hebrews 10, 1 through 10, now we see in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, what he had to go through. But then you'll see the literal thing of what he went through in the synoptics. Everywhere. I mean, even from the time he, before he was born, what did Herod try to do? And who was he under? Constantly trying to get rid of God. Don't want God. That's Genesis chapter 4. Cain went out from the presence of God, verse 17, and he built a city, you know, and verse 24. And even when he murdered a man, he was crying out in repentance. No, what was going to happen to him that he did to the person? Didn't even think about him. Didn't even think about God. And the whole thing, that whole thing is right there. That's when we don't have a shepherd. Sacrifice. Have a shepherd is, is, is the self-sacrificed one. It's Christ. You don't have him. You're going to do what's right in your own eyes. You're going to do everything. Listen, you're going to do everything when you don't have a shepherd. And you know what? And, and most people, I see it today. Most men, they, they, they will tell you that they love you. They tell you they want you. <laughs> they don't want a shepherd. They want to do it themselves. Even when they see it. They see the life of God. They see it. It's clear to them. There's no question about it. There's no, no question about it. But I, the way that that is brought out in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, it was brought out in a way, boy, I tell you, these last few days, the way I've seen it, it's never been brought out more clearly. The Hebrew word, he, he was, where it says he was pierced through, meaning he was tortured. Brutally, tortured brutally. And they saw it in their own understanding, thinking apart from God, that God was punishing him. <laughs> oh my God. That's literally what, and then it, finally they're right. And they're going, oh, they say, oh my God. Oh, now we see. 
my thinking has been all wrong. I can't tell you how many times that happens with the word with me. Oh my God, my thinking. It was so wrong. I mean, and even in presenting the beautiful truth, without the shepherd, how will I present it? What will I add to it? It's, it's horrible. And how many times he has to do that? You know, how, how many times he does that? I, I tell you honestly, nothing for me, nothing makes any sense without him. It doesn't even make any sense. Nothing makes any sense. He, he is the only one that has the full sense of God Almighty. Period. And if I'm not submitted to him, oh boy. We forget the yoke so quickly, it's unbelievable. The moment we do, we have another yoke. That's the yoke of bondage. And that yoke is called the flesh. That's what the enemy uses. Interpret the messages. Interpret each other. Live in suspicion. I'm suspicious, you know. I'm I'm, I'm very suspicious, you know. Uh, I'm very suspicious. Oh my God! You look at the pain that he went through, the physical pain. He didn't even open his mouth. He did not open his mouth. In Isaiah fifty-three, verse seven, he didn't open his mouth. He never did. He didn't make an issue of it. He didn't make one issue of it. I'll tell you why. Because he was too busy pleasing the Father. And in doing so, living for others. Oh boy. I tell you, the freest life that we have when we have a shepherd is being in God's presence. We lose ourselves, and he uses us for others. That's, the, that's it. Otherwise, we live a life that's all about ourselves. We'll be so stingy in every area, it's not even funny. And everything we do that we say we're doing for others, and we're going here to do it for others <laughs> if I'm not sent. And if I'm not sent, I don't have a shepherd. What are the reasons why? What are the reasons why? You know, and we only, we only want to go so far in terms of, of teaching. We only want to go so far. We really do. We only want to go so far until we have a shepherd. And that's the whole point. That's the whole thing of Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. That's the whole thing. Look at, is there any comfort anywhere else? Come on. Is there any? Yeah, I should, I can enjoy his, I can enjoy uh, this earth and God's creation, but how do I do it without him? Is it for his glory, like Psalm 19, 1 through 6 brings out? Yes. Yeah. Then it goes right into the spiritual. Do you see how that it's, it's beautiful the way it works? And then it keeps out presumption. You see it in Psalm. There's only 14 verses there in that 19th Psalm. You can see it. And what is it finished in 19, 13, and 14? Deliver me from presumption. What is that? Thinking I, I can think right without a shepherd and I want everyone else to hear me too. Because what I think and what I like and what I believe and what I believe about others, how they should believe, that's us in the flesh. It's so ridiculous. Look at nothing makes any sense to me. Not one single thing. It doesn't make sense to do a single, is there any sense in doing a single thing 
unless I have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16. Because in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, who's sufficient for these things? Is the flesh for these things in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16? Is there any sufficiency in the flesh? Zero. Why? No shepherd. There's no shepherd. Israel did great as long as they had a shepherd. And God was teaching it. He took home Moses, but he, he, he raised up for, for certain reasons to go into the promised land. You don't have to go into that now like the scriptures bring out. But he, he, he raised up Joshua. Okay? And then he brought them, a type of Christ, he, in the work that God was doing, he brought them into the, he brought them into the promised land. And then when he died, then what happened? That's where every man began to do what was right in their own eyes. They didn't have a shepherd. Today, boy, when I look at things, if I look at them apart from him, I want out of here in a heartbeat. I think, I think maybe, and I'm not sure, I don't know, when Paul was saying in Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. You know, I get in a straight between two. You know, uh, as he's working in me here and I experience that and then see his work in others and he gets all the credit and all the glory and I see that, that's wonderful. But I would much rather depart and be with him because when I think without him, <laughs> what makes sense here? What makes sense here? Doing anything without him. Serving others without him. When I, you know, if I, if I want to, if I choose to serve others without him, I do it with irritation. I do it quickly. I don't do it like I would do for myself. I'll guarantee you that right now. No, sir. I won't do for others what I can do for myself. I, I'll do this. And I want to do it pristine and great because I'm, you know, I'm going to get paid and I, they're going to see what an awesome thing I do. And then someone else needs me where it might not involve just me. It might just be them. And I'll quickly do it and just, well, you know, they're on the back burner. I'll get to it when I can. <laughs> really? That's without a shepherd. That's doing it without a shepherd. That's me. That's in the flesh right here doing it without a shepherd. Doing it. Doing it. Doing it without a shepherd. And even the laboring, come on, even the laboring, that's not a result of propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. My laboring in the scriptures, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding. I like what it says, in the work of the Lord. The labor there is my endeavor to be a vessel for Christ to pour that through. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord is in so much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not empty. Why? Because it's the life of Christ doing it. And unless I sit at his feet, I don't have the words of Christ in me to do the work. I will be like Martha in Luke 10, 38 to 42. I'm going to serve others, but I'm going to be irritated because i got to stop what I'm doing and do something for someone else. Really? No shepherd, no shepherd, no shepherd.
no shepherd. Yeah, fine, sit at the feet and get the word and get it faithfully. When it comes time for something else, to do something for someone else, I'll get to it when I can. <laughs> no shepherd. That's with any of us. There's no shepherd. None. No shepherd. And let me in me, you know, and I'm just telling you, in so many areas, and he's not condemning me when he says this, but he brings me to the place, me, myself, and I say, God, you know what? I'm so unlike him. I'm so unlike him in so many ways. And he takes the time and the patience. He takes the time and the patience to bring me into a proper place. Let's, did it, will that happen with Israel? That's Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. They finally get to the place where they have his thought. Now they're telling others, listen, you know what? And I'm saying it this morning too. I'm saying, listen, I made mistakes. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, I thought without him. And let me tell you the disastrous, evil results. Let me just tell you right now. It, it's useless. It's a void. It's empty. It's nothing. But let me tell you, everything that he went through, and the way that he was tortured, and the way that he endured evil and rejection and hatred. I mean, he experienced physical pain. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He had to get up and he had to work. But everything that he did with his pain was for his father and others. It wasn't about himself. Not for one second. Why? He is the shepherd. And boy, if I don't have him, oh boy. Everyone else is on the back burner. And we'll use every other excuse to say why, too, by the way. And, and we'll do that. I'll do it. I'll do it. And with him, now without him, I can't do anything in John 15, 1 to 5. But with him, and, and, and with him, in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things. I can do all things. But am I willing? Will I submit? When it says that, when it says that in Isaiah 53, 1, who's going to believe our report? Really, who's going to believe the message? Or finally, what they're saying is, who are now? Here, look at us. Look at how we treated him. And look what we did. But now, finally, I've received doctrine. And doctrine is never apart from hearing and submission. Never. Never apart. They're saying it's, who's going to hear our hearing now? Who's going to hear what we finally hear? Who's going to hear it? Who wants it? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? God does. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your care upon him. You know why? Because he cares for you. Oh, does he? Yeah. Read Isaiah 53, 1-12. Look at what he went through his whole life in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and look in John the whole time on the earth, what he went through. To bring us, as the church, to this heavenly position. Now, he's going to unite heaven and earth. There's no question about that. That's brought out in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 28. No question about it. The last enemy that needs to be destroyed in 1 Corinthians 15, 26 is death. We see that in finality in Revelation 26 to 15. And then we enter into the fixedness of eternity in Revelation 22 and verse 11. 
We're in eternity. We're in the ages of the ages where nothing again will ever disturb or distract his personal, intimate love for us. It's amazing. And all of that had to do with everything that he went through. Every single bit of it. His love is not suspicious. Are we suspicious of one another? Mm -hmm. There's not an ounce of irritation in his grace. Not once. Christ, everything he did, he never did irritate Christ. Ever. Even when he spoke to the Pharisees. Even when he rebuked Peter. Who was functioning experientially under Satan. Ignorantly. Ignorantly, yes. God forbid we ever do it rebelliously or stubbornly in 1 Samuel 15, 23. Yeah. Think of all the sacrifices that man does in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. They're doing something for God. But they're doing it. 1 Samuel 15, 22 brings it out. Their sacrifice, their obedience, has nothing to do with the obedience of Christ. It has to do with rebellion and stubbornness. Oh, I'll do it. All right, I'll fit you in and I'll do it. Wow. No irritation there. I just can't do it. Yeah, you can do it for all these other people. But you can't do it for them, can you? You can do all this for yourself, but you can't do it for Christ. Well, what do you mean? Because if you do it unto one of these, you do it unto me. Really? Yeah. Yes. We don't put each other in the local assembly on the back burner. We don't put others ahead of those. That's brought out in Galatians chapter 6, verses in verse 6. That's brought out in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. That's brought out in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. It's brought out crystal clear. Crystal clear. Because if I don't do it right here with those that are gods, you think I'm doing it right for others? No, it's about myself. But, oh, I think I do enough. So. I do enough in this area. Yeah, well, it's a privilege for us to do anything with the Word of God, by the way. But I think I do enough in this area so I can do less in this known area than I know I should do it, but I'm not going to do it because I do all this. Well, who's doing it? If I don't have a shepherd, who's doing it? Who's the only one can, that can do his work? The one that finished it. <laughs> What gets in the way? We talk about struggles. We talk about struggles. The struggles, even God uses those. Even he does. He does use those. Because he's going to teach us areas where we're living in the flesh and it doesn't have a thing to do with him. And if it doesn't have to do with him, it's not about anybody else. It never is. I'm doing this. you know. No, you're not. You don't put God first. You don't put your true family first. You think you're doing it for your family? Like there's some separation? It's nuts. But you know what? That's, listen, that's the flesh in me. Me, me. I'm saying me, Ed. This is the flesh in me. Is there any good in it? In Romans 7, 18? I find that a law. I find a law. Then I know what I should do and what the good is that I should do, but how to perform it, I find not. So if I don't have a shepherd, I will perform it. Well, who am I going to do it for? You know? Who am I going to do it for? Right? So I do enough. I think it's all, 
Oh, honey, you do enough. You do so much, you know. Yeah, uh, 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 yuck. You do so much here, honey. Oh, really? Well, tell me what you were doing before you even met what God has you doing right now. What was your life like? What was mine like? Oh, I can tell you what mine was. You didn't even want to know. I didn't even want to tell you. <laughs> it's not worth bringing up. Because all our worth is in him. All our worth is in him, period. Period. And no matter what it is. I mean, I can, if I can pick up a paintbrush this morning and have him be my shepherd and be content doing it. Because if I don't have a shepherd, I won't be content. Because that won't be about me doing it for me. It's going to be about me doing it for someone else. And there's going to be suspicion and irritation in it. But I'll do it anyway. Do me a favor, please. Keep it. I'd rather not have it. I'm, I'm Literally, I'm dead serious. I'd rather not have it. I'd rather not have it. Because there's no fellowship there. There's no true exchange of a life of Christ. In individuals. You can't, it's not called fellowship. Oh, you mean you, mean you can't have fellowship by, by doing a service for someone? Oh, of course you can. Yeah, but it's an exchange. One gives, one receives. It's very interesting how that works in the local assembly. It, it is. It's very interesting. Very interesting how that works. You know, the older I get, and I'm just going to say this, honestly. The older I get, and you can, you can bear witness with this, Mike. The older I get, the more pain physically I experience. The less I talk about it when I know them. Now, we pray. I'm not saying we don't pray. But we don't, we don't make a telegraph of it, you know. We don't verbally express it constantly. <laughs> you know, we learn, we learn how with that pain, with that pain, what it's really producing in us. Because <clears throat> there's no growth without it, by the way. Ask Christ. But he, as our example. Of course, he didn't, he didn't do it in a way that we did. He did it as the captain of our salvation. See that in Hebrews chapter 5, 9, and 10. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6, all the way down to 18. Where he suckers us, he brings us into that. Into that. Where everything, everything is about him. And that's what it is. Come on, you know, men, you know, quick, be, be, you know, come on, men being men. And you know what? How to, and that starts with prayer, 1 Timothy 2 8. I wish men, men, males, lift up holy hands, holy hands without wrath. I'll do it anyway, you know, can't wait to get it done, you know. Yeah, you'll do it just like you did for the other person. That meant some kind of reward for you, huh? <laughs> it's terrible. It's in us. We're not of it. That's why we need that shepherd. And that shepherd that's in us in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he's the treasure. He's the treasure. Not these material things. They're going to go right back to the earth. Thing we make the big deal about. Oh boy. No fellowship in that whatsoever for any of us. There's none whatsoever. None that's whatsoever. We talked about it yesterday. Yes, we take we take in the local assembly, we feed. Where where God feeds us, 
as the shepherd through an under-shepherd who labors in the word, labor. And there's labor in it. Yes, privilege, but I'm ta- there's labor in it. That means a lot of times you do it whether you feel like it or not. You do it and continually do it. His life was continual suffering and endurance because of love. That's what his life was like, and it involved pain. Do you think there's any, when you study, do you think there's an exertion of pain? Yes, absolutely. I've said it before, I'll say it again. By the grace of God, I have, I've done carpentry, I've done it by his grace for, for 50 years. Physical hard carpentry, okay? Physical, with pain, with going through all kinds of things, you know, all kinds of things. Back in the day, we didn't telegraph it. We sucked it up and went to work. The last thing we wanted to hear, you know, was, was anything like that. And, and there's pain involved in that. Pain. But I can tell you, the energy that it takes for the word and the concentration and discipline and energy makes that, it pales in comparison. I'm just telling you. It, and there's many times where I just, you know, I would rather choose to blow off the word, just go work. It's easier. I am telling you what it is. You may not think so. I'm just telling you, it's way easier. I don't care. I don't want the easy. The flesh wants the easy way out. It does. We, it w- wants the easy way out. You know, easy way out. You forget God, you forget others. If you forget God who loves you, you forget <clears throat> the God that loves those others. It's true. It's true. There's absolutely no question about it. And he is faithful to us. I, I got to tell you, <clears throat> listen, there is not one single thing here that makes an ounce of sense to me outside of him. Outside of submitting to him. And once again, seeing this reality. We, we have this reality now. We have that, do we? The reality that Israel missed. But they will have it. There is no question about it. They're going to do it because he's going to all, he's going to lead them, you know, like he's led us in Romans two and verse four, and and that goes into into Romans the eleventh chapter. We can't boast the church, a heavenly position, about Israel. We can't boast against them. No, no, not at all. Because he's going to do it. He's going to do it with them, <clears throat> and that again, as we close this morning. That again is Isaiah 53, 1 to 12. It's just incredible when you read it. Who's, who's going who's gonna to believe from us, of all people, the greatest failures ever, but who's going to finally believe what he's taught us and what we finally submitted to? Hearing. Because that's the Hebrew word, doctrine and hearing. You'll see it in a lot of, um, uh, of margins of certain translations. And I like translations, but they can only take you so far. That's why we need a shepherd. That's why we need under shepherds. That's why it says he's given some in Ephesians 4.11. We need them. We all do. The right ones too, by the way. And God will be faithful to us. He can't be anything other than who he is. He's, he is faithfulness. That's based upon Revelation 21 verse 5 and Revelation 22 and verse 6. He's true and faithful, faithful and true. 
There's absolutely no question about it. And that's his son. So Lord, we thank you this morning for the reality of these things. Thank you, God, that when we put you first, we put others ahead of ourselves every single time. And that's freedom, by the way. That's a yoke of freedom, not a yoke of bondage. Yeah. No, Lord, I don't want to say, I'll do what I know I should do in service for others, God, but I'll keep putting it off. I'll do it, but, you know, I got all this other stuff in the way. I don't want that in me. And, and thank you, Lord, for showing me, me, Ed, showing me, showing me in ways that I'm not experiencing who you made me to be in the son of your love. I don't want to function unlike him experientially. I don't want to do that. I want it to be the right way, God. And that right way is Christ. And the only way it is, is when I have a yoke and I'm yoked up to my shepherd, I'm yoked up to him, then everything makes sense. Everything makes sense. Nothing makes any sense without him. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for those that you made willing and that submitted to that truth were able to hear the word of God. Thank you. There's times when we put, we put, we have to put you ahead of sleep. We do. There's times when that's necessary. That's part of the labor. There's times that are necessary. <clears throat> like when you have to wake up your kids to go to school, how much more is this important? And Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have uh, for your faithfulness in us and through us to each other. Thank you for your unconditional, unbelievable love and everything that you went through. Oh God, I don't want to miss the meaning of Jesus Christ. It has to do with expiation. It has to do with propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. And thank you that we can have that in an exchange life with each other. Esteeming one another better than ourselves, our schedules, our time, everything. And looking on the things, not on our own things, but on the things of others. Instead of like so many, and we can be in the flesh. They think on their own things in 2.21 of Philippians and not the things of others. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for your love and showing us who you've made us to be in the son of your love. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.